Hey guys, this is Georgia with Ancient Aliens and you're listening to That One Time I Was Abducted by Aliens with Jamie and Bree. You're listening to That One Time I Was Abducted by Aliens. I'm Jamie. I'm Bree, and we're two sides of the coin. You guys are in for such a treat. The next four episodes we have are all spooky-themed. Spooky. It is, as you guys know, Halloween month. <laughs> we're even recording on the Halloween month first. Halloween month first. The why first even of call Halloween it, month. Why even call it October? Like, it's just this Halloween month. All month long. Halltober. Yeah, Halltober. So we're going to be doing four spooky, scary episodes that are kind of influenced by... Halloween. Still trying to stay in the realm of aliens, though. Actually, can we just, before we continue, happy one-year anniversary. Happy one-year anniversary. It would have been last week. It would have been last week. Yeah, but time flew by, and then we checked the calendar, and we were like, holy shit. Yeah. It's been a year. Thank you all for listening for one year. We love you. Yeah, thank you for all of you that have been there since day one, too. And uh, here's to the next 10. To the next 100. Ooh, I like it. To infinity and beyond. Can I get you to sign a million-year contract? Yes. Okay. Only if we sign it by blood. That's fine. But only blood from your toe. Ugh, my poor toe. I know. It has to be toe blood. So you have to sign it with your toe. And then you do what with it? Just on the contract? Yeah. Like, so So I'd poke, like, a little poke in your toe, and then you'd have to sign your name with your toe with the blood. Hmm. And then we make a copy of that, and yeah. then we light that on fire. Well, no. We well, we make a copy, and we frame it, and then the original one, we would do a cleansing ceremony, obviously. Okay. And then we put the ashes in a vase. Yeah, next to the copy of it. We okay. get a shadow box. Sounds great. Okay. Plan. Is that what we're doing on Halloween? <laughs> <laughs> That's what we'll do on Halloween. Perfect. So, Brie, what is our first spooky episode about? Tonight, we're going to talk about contacting the spirit world. So we can talk about different forms of speaking to the spirit world, Mm -hmm. maybe where it began, Mm -hmm. some of the roots, and maybe how it's evolved in present time. Yeah, maybe like at the end, a little like fun project for everyone. We'll show you a few ways you can uh... contact Satan. (laughs) Contact Satan, you know. Yeah, absolutely. No, 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 no. Well, I think a lot of people, let me start off by saying, a lot of people think that when we talk about contacting the spirit world, we're contacting quote-unquote Satan. Not true. Not true. You can contact Satan if you want to. I mean, in Mm. reality, all of us can contact anyone we want to at the end of the day. But when we're talking about the spirit world, we more mean like the other side of the veil, the quote-unquote ghosts, past loved ones, or if that other side is another dimension or a higher place of consciousness, who knows? But what we're trying to do is get to that spirit world. I'm just going to call it the unseen world. To me, a spirit. It's just the unseen because it's not just, in my opinion, I don't think it's just ghosts or dead people. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. It's a whole other side of unknown things going on that we can't perceive with our everyday eyes and ears. You have to kind of tune into it. So let's start at the very beginning. When it comes to the spirit world, I think really the roots where you have to start at is really kind of the founding of the religion of spiritualism. Not saying that if you're spiritual that you're really religious, but that's kind of where it started is when where people really started to think of it as a religion. And this was in the early to mid 19th century. And this was kind of over across the pond. And it kind of made its way over here to the United States in the 1840s because of seances. 
good times on a Friday. Exactly. It's actually Saturdays. <laughs> Saturdays are for seances, not the oh, boys. Oh, probably because it's S. Okay. A seance, if you guys don't know, is, you know, a bunch of people who get together who try to talk to dead people. Can't get more easier than that to kind of define. I, I'd agree. The popularity of this kind of seance spiritualism movement was really fostered here in America by the Fox sisters, who were three sisters from New York, Leah, Margaret, and Kate, and the two younger sisters used quote-unquote wrappings to kind of convince the world that they were mediums in a sense. So the older sister over time ended up kind of managing the two younger sisters who were these kind of mediums. Where it all really began is a nice cold night, March 31st to be exact, and Kate had been hearing spirits and she had her mom and her sisters around and she was like, hey, mom, sisters, I bet you I can get this spirit to talk back to me. So she'd like tap on the wall and then it would tap back or she would, you know, tap on the floor and it would tap a sequence back. And kind of over the next few days, the girls kind of made a code with the quote unquote spirit where they were able to answer things. So it'd be like, you know, mm. for the letter A, knock three times. For the letter B, knock two times. And they kind of figured out a rhythm in order to communicate with this. So this is kind of pre-Ouija board, I'd I can say. see that. Sounds very hocus pocusy, you know? Three girls, three witchy girls. Mm-hmm. They were all fine and dandy. They went, I mean, years, they would travel around. They, they were doing this in concert halls. They were asked to the White House at one point, like all these different things. And so that's kind of where it really began because then people kind of started to catch on and they were like, oh my God, I need to hold a seance. Oh my God, I want to communicate with the dead. <laughs> Although this all kind of started with them, the sad part of it is, is at the end, the sisters kind of became a giant laughing stock of the community. How sad. I know. So over the years, the sisters, Kate and Margaret, the two younger ones, had developed like quite a bad drinking problem, which was mostly because most of their life they were kind of unsupervised because it was just their older sister taking them around to all of these seances and stuff. So they started to drink wine and got real into it. Understandable. Wine and seance. I feel like that's hand in hand. Stop. We should make t-shirts. Even though you're not supposed to. You're actually not supposed to eat dairy either. There's a whole Bunch of There's a whole bunch of rules. People, we'll yeah. go into that. So around 1888, the two sisters became like in a serious fight with their older sister Leah and another very high-ranking spiritualist in the community. And they were really concerned about the sisters because they thought that their drinking had gotten really out of hand. They weren't going to be able to take care of their children. They obviously weren't going to be able to do seances anymore. The alcoholism was really just kind of affecting their lives. So they shunned him or what? And also during this period where their alcoholism was coming into question, Margaret was kind of contemplating whether or not she was going to go back to the Roman Catholic faith. And, you know, dealing with seances and stuff were very much so against the religion. So she was really torn between whether to stay a medium or, you know, to go to Jesus, basically. <laughs> Jesus or spirits. Basically. Well, I think at some point in her later life, especially with the alcoholism, she, she assumed that her powers were, like, kind of detrimental to her, which is, I think, why she kind of wanted to go back to the Catholic Church and to see God again, because I think that maybe her alcoholism made it seem like her abilities were negative. While all of this is going on, the two sisters were offered $1,500 by a reporter who was asking them to expose how it is that they talk to these beings. Oh no. I know. So Margaret appeared publicly at the New York Academy of Music, October 21st, 1988, and Kate was there with her. And before an audience of about 2,000 people, Margaret showed how she could produce at will all of these wrappings 
and all of these tits and tats and knockings that you could hear throughout the theater. And it ended up being, sure as shit, no joke, her toes. What? So she'd be like, knock three times if it's a yes, and then she could with her toe be like, tit, tit, tit. So what it was is she could crack the joints in her toes. So it was the sound of the cracking of her joints in her toes (sighs) that echoed throughout the building that made it sound like, so when she was like, tap twice if you're here, she'd crack her toe twice. Do you think that she was always doing that? So here's the kind of weird fucked up part about it when it comes down to it. We don't necessarily know if that's really what it was. It might have been that in her age and her coming down from being a quote-unquote medium and wanting to go back to the Catholic religion, she decided to denounce it and make up the story. Or she was doing it the whole time. Either way, if you go to a lot of spiritual books today, like a lot of the people who write in spiritual books, they talk about the Fox sisters and they never mention anything about them coming out and saying it was all faked. Wow. Like all over the internet, everywhere you look, it says so many times that like, yes, they came out, they said it was all bullshit, and no one wants to recognize it. I still feel like that has to have some sort of root when it comes to people thinking that all of this is garbage. Like it must have stayed with some people. Well, you know, during that time period, this was a really, really big movement. There was a lot of people who were really into wanting to talk to their deceased ones. You know, we're talking about the time of the Civil War where family members were dropping left and right and you had tons of horrible illnesses that were out there and Mm -hmm. plagues. And so all of these people who never got to say goodbye to their loved ones because of war or illness or whatever it was were really looking for some type of closure. I could understand that. You may feel like you're abandoned by a lot of people in your family if they're all in the war or they all died or they got sick of some plague or something. That's kind of all they could grasp for. I feel like people still do that to this day, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. A lot of the time when when someone has a loved one that's passed, they want to make that contact immediately because it's like, show me that you're not actually gone. I think it it helps fill a little bit of the void temporarily. I think the most well-known person in history who were doing seances during that time would have to be Mary Todd Lincoln, who is the wife of Abraham Lincoln, Mm. who was doing seances inside of the White House. Cool. Her son passed away of typhoid fever. He was like 11 years old. And so she had a very hard time grasping with that. And so she started to do seances. Where's my boy? Mary's closest spiritual companion and the one who Abraham Lincoln also met with was Nettie Maynard. Many familiar with kind of the tale of what happened at the White House with the seances kind of always go back to this one incident where when Nettie was channeling, she was playing a piano and the piano levitated like off the ground. And everyone was like so in shock. Lincoln and Colonel Case were there at the time and tried to climb on top of the piano to get it to come back down. And it started shaking so badly that it threw both of them off the piano. That sounds to me like a demon, not just any old ghost. No, yeah, that's a little a little bit aggressive, in all honesty. So seances definitely go into some of the highest places in our U- U.S. government that you would never imagine. I imagine that's kind of the fun thing to do at that time. Well, yeah, they don't have TV. Everybody's dying. You might as well summon some ghosts. So with these Fox sisters, it sounds like they made their own Morse code with the spirits. It reminds me a lot of a Ouija board. Definitely. Where we're going to kind of go to next. So 
let's talk a little bit about the tools that they use inside seances. And a Ouija board is definitely one, although not the primary as most people would think. Common household medium to work with the spirit realm. I like you that know, pun. <laughs> people of all age, I feel like, they want to mess around with the Ouija board. That's kind of their first go-to, maybe for unexperienced people. Yeah, a Ouija board is also known as like a spirit board or a talking board. In all reality, the plain simpleness of it is it's a flat board. It could be wood, cardboard, paper, glass, really doesn't matter. But there's numbers, some type of symbolism, and letters and maybe like a yes or a no written on there or some simple little hello, goodbye kind of phrase that's on it. And it's used to communicate with the dead. Or just anything because sometimes people call in demons and other kind of shit. That's very true. Jamie's always wanting to play with the Ouija yeah. board and I just have high caution with it. See, and I just think Ouija boards are kind of full of shit, which is why I want to play with it because I'm just like, uh. You don't believe in, in something that we can use to Yes, I do, but I don't think I could buy it at Target. But That's my issue with it. I can see why you might think that, but at the same time, why does it matter what it is or where it comes from and not just the fact that it's something simple that a spirit or whatever can move to communicate with you? Because I think it's about the intent you put into it when you make it. Yeah, but also if you have the intent intent for them to communicate with it, why can't that work also? It can, but I don't think a machine that's making a bunch of Ouija boards are necessarily putting good vibes into it. Maybe not good vibes, but then you could also still contact demons and shit. For sure, but I think that if I'm going to use a Ouija board, it's not going to be a Ouija board I buy at a store. It's going to be something that I make that I put my intent into. Kind of like when you're talking about a deck of tarot cards. Your tarot cards are really important to you. You don't just hand them over to anybody to use. It's still being manufactured somewhere where I'm sure they actually don't give a shit at the end of the day what they're making. That's totally possible. I feel you on that one. But yet it's still used as a tool. I don't know. I just, I, I kind of see like the board game version of it is just kind of like a hokey jokey fun thing to do. I feel like this could be a movie <laughs> where the girl always wants to mess with the Ouija board and she doesn't take it seriously because it's made in some shop or whatever. And then they get the Ouija board and it's the girl who's more cautious about it. It's like, no, I don't mess with it. I don't care if it's from Target. It's still dangerous. And then we play with it and then we like summon some demon or some shit happens to us. Long story short, we get possessed. Maybe we die. Maybe some other people die. It'd be a hell of a ride though. I <laughs> Just sounds to me like a perfect movie, this situation. So are, are you I'm not willing to live it out. This could be I that one time I was possessed by a demon. I like that. Can I give you a Ouija board fact? Yeah, hit me. Did you know that in order to patent the Ouija board, they had to prove that it worked? What? So someone just invented this thing. They were like, I want to make a shit ton of these. And they're like, prove it to me. And they're like, all right, hold on. So the Ouija board was advertised in the late 1980s as an interesting and mysterious tool that had been proven by the patent office. Inventions have to be shown to operate as advertised in order to be approved. According to the creator, Elijah Bond, the patent officer reviewing the Ouija board patent application told Bond that if he sat down at the board in front of him and successfully spelled out his name, which he didn't reveal to Elijah before the experiment, he would grant the patent. And Elijah sat there and spelled out his entire name. Do you think that he somewhat moved it? That's the only thing that makes me curious with Ouija boards sometimes is, you know, I feel like there's always one person that's gonna. So Elijah's hands were the only hands on the Ouija board. The patent officer said to him, sit down, put the board on your lap and spell out my name because he didn't know, well, supposedly didn't know the guy's name. And he was like, hey, if you could spell out my name, I'll say that it works. And he did. And it's kind of twofold. Either that's super creepy and it means the board works or Elijah just did his homework before he went there. 
which seems more likely, but I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. That's what's kind of funny about it is like how, it's not like they had the internet back then. It's not like he knew which patent officer he was gonna be talking to. Like, oh, okay, I can there's, see that. Yeah, so I think that there's the possibility that he just did his homework and he's really good, or the board actually works. It can kind of go either way at that point. But you do hear a lot of really creepy stories about people that do mess with the Ouija board that don't take it seriously. Oh yeah, if people do fuck with them and something happens, it's their own fault, because you know better. How about we say this now, if anyone wants to dabble in any of these, use caution. Oh, for sure. So if we're talking about Ouija boards, we kind of, I think, have to talk about the most important part of the Ouija board, which has been around since before the Ouija board which would be the planchette. The planchette is a small, usually heart-shaped flat piece of maybe like wood or like PVC, maybe glass. And it originally has two wheels that are attached to it on the bottom. And then on front, there was a pencil attached to it. And like maybe like a magnifying glass or something in the top of it. This device was really popular in seances during kind of the Victorian era and really actually just wrote down words. It wasn't necessarily on top of a board or anything like that. It was used for like a lot of automatic writings and things like that. Oh, so that came first? It did. So the version of the planchette that we see today on the Ouija board is minus the wheels and the pencil. I wonder if they still sell planchettes by themselves. Can people get that now and use that for automatic writing? So yes and no. So I would assume that anybody could make a planchette if they really wanted to. I don't think that it's something that's necessarily like manufactured in the, by the masses, but I think a lot of the original planchettes that are out there are probably still like highly coveted today and used and probably very expensive. Ooh. So like personally, if I was a channeler and I was doing automatic writing, I would want like something original from like the 1820s. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't like Google, like, can I have a fancy pencil? Like <laughs> I'd make one. Maybe like a, like a wand, like you have to craft your own. It has to call to you. I know. So then if we're talking about automatic writing, we'll just go right into it, which is kind of the other big tool of seances is automatic writing. The psychic ability that allows a person to produce written words without consciously writing. It's a form of channeling. The words kind of like pour out onto the paper, kind of out of your subconscious, they say. You can sometimes be awake and like know that it's happening or other times you're kind of in a trance and you do it. But regardless, there's usually someone else there with the channeler who's writing kind of all the information down to bring it to the masses. That definitely reminds me of back in the day, I can see some lady that's like blind with them paper just like scribbling hella fast and there's someone like interpreting it for her. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I think it also happens a lot in modern day too though, where it's not that complicating. And you can do that with putting yourself in a meditative state and then just going for it, asking questions and, and seeing what you put down. It can surprise you. So the Japanese have a version that's sort of like the Ouija board, which I think is pretty cool. It's called Kokuri-san. And instead of using this tool to contact anyone that feels like speaking with you or giving you any type of insights, you're asking for a specific entity. And his mm -hmm. name is Kokuri-san. And so what you do is you have a white piece of paper. You have to have a black pen and a red pen and a coin. Before you start any of this, you're supposed to open up a door or a window. You're letting him know that he's free to enter. And you draw a Tori symbol in red at the very top. 
in Japanese culture, it, it's sort of the gateway between our world and the spirit world. And drawing it symbolizes kind of opening it? Absolutely. Okay. And so with black writing, it's just like a Ouija board, how it's the numbers, then you write the letters, and on each side of the Tori symbol, you either put a yes or a no. So you use this coin, and everyone, you know, puts a finger on it. But any question that you ask, it has to start off with Kukuri-san, Kukuri-san. Mm -hmm. And then you ask a question. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, when it's time to go, you're supposed to tell Kukuri-san it's time to leave. When you finish, you have to shut that window and shut that door. Mm. And the only thing is that this entity is known for being a bit of a trickster. Mm -hmm. So some people have said that they've gotten really good answers and other people have just felt like they're being kind of fucked with. Some people say it's safer because you're not inviting any spirit. Right. You're just that one entity mm -hmm. opposed to whoever the fuck's around here if you want to play around come on over. But it's used the same way. So the thing you say about, you know, people, some people saying they got really good answers, some people saying they were fucked around with, you know that here in America they did a study about Ouija boards? Mm. They did. They did a scientific study to see if Ouija boards were really, if they were real or not, because they could, you know, control the environment. They wanted to see what happened. And really kind of what they found with it is they would ask people a question. They had to guess the answer, and it was about a 50% chance of being correct. Like, that's the statistics ended up being like 50% of the time they were correct, which is super typical when it comes to guessing. Usually, human beings were about 50% right. So then they put the Ouija board in front of them and asked them the same type of questions and realized that they were getting better answers this time. And it went up from 60 to 65%. Not necessarily because they knew the answer, not necessarily because the board was telling them the answer, but what they say is your mind, you suggested to your mind that this will help you with an answer, mm. so therefore you're getting more answers correct. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. I can believe that, actually. I can, too. I'm a firm believer that we can always tap into that sort of universal consciousness, mm -hmm. and so we should be able to gather the correct answers if we're in that state, and sometimes it's just about giving yourself permission to be in that state. You know, you might think it's your great-grandmother helping you out, but really, you're it's just yourself. yourself. Yeah. I can totally see that. Well, I think, like we've said a million times, your brain is fucking incredible. Very and it true. does things that you'll never be able to imagine it could do. So of course it could make you smarter or know answers that you wouldn't know answers to. Like, yeah, it, our mind could do a lot of things. Yeah, and I'm not saying that channeling's not real because no, I absolutely am not. a firm believer. I just think that both things are equally possible. Absolutely, 100%. There's another game that you can play that I actually thought to myself, okay, maybe Jamie and I could play this one because it's safer than a Ouija board in my opinion and it's something I feel like usually everyone has lying around which is your normal deck of cards. Mm -hmm. You use these deck of cards and on top you sprinkle salt on the top of it mm -hmm. which obviously is, you know, you're like cleansing it and shit, mm -hmm. right? So you get that deck of cards, you sprinkle the salt, you light a candle. Everyone that wants to participate in this game, if you will, has to shuffle the cards themselves. So I would shuffle the cards, you would shuffle the cards, we would put them back. Then we would make three rows with two cards, so like two cards, and three rows down. So mm -hmm. there's basically six cards together, mm -hmm. and you would make those three rows, mm -hmm. which, you know, it's kind of like six, 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 six right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Creepy. Yeah, creepy. Yeah, but... It's a total of 18 cards. So what you would do is the person that's asking the question would ask a question 
and moved their hands over the card until they found a card that felt like it was radiating a lot of heat. Mm -hmm. You could say again if that's a spirit or if that's your intuition, mm -hmm. whatever. You would flip over that card. What your key here is to remember that for hearts, it's a yes. For spades, it's a no. For clubs, it's don't know. And for diamonds, it's maybe. You're kind of getting a mixture. So whatever card you pull over, it's either yes, no, don't know, or maybe. People ask questions. You go around, you do the same thing, and then you collect your answers. And then when you're done, you gather your cards. Everyone has to shuffle them again, sprinkle the salt back on top, and blow out your candle. Hmm. So that to me sounds a lot safer. That sounds safer. It sounds a little Satan-y with the 666. That is the only part I'm questionable about. Well, while we're talking about Satan, why don't we just oh, talk God. about, uh, I know, I know, I know. Why don't we talk about <laughs> using a uh, pentagram to summon the spirit world? This is actually super simple and I really didn't realize it. So it's a ritual and you form a circle that's nine feet across and you put a pentagram in it. And one is made for you, you're called the summoner. And then you do another one, same thing, circle, pentagram in it, nine feet across, and that's for whatever you're kind of summoning. And it binds the spirit to that circle so it can't leave it. Oh, that's scary. Why? That's more safer than a Ouija board we're talking here. Instead of I them guess. just roaming around, if I'm in my circle and I conjure something that could only stay in that circle, what's it really gonna do? True, okay. And making the star in the circle is kind of like a bigger part of like the, the ceremony that happens to like summon it. Mostly people use it to summon demons in all honesty, <laughs> but I'm sure that there's probably some pagans out there who aren't all about Satan who like, I don't know, conjure up some like normal spirits. Right. I think that's the biggest reason why people associate pentagrams with Satanists Satan, and it's not the same thing. Mm -mm. It's all about that tilt of that star, mm -hmm. which I don't think a lot of people really think about. Mm -mm. So I can imagine it being used for good or evil. Or evil. Oh, absolutely. Brie, have you ever been to a medium who had a crystal ball? <laughs> no. Really? I've seen crystal balls. Like real crystal balls or real like? Real crystal balls. Where did you see one? In my bedroom. Like you own a real no. crystal ball? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'll probably get one these days. So, People say that you could see spirits through a crystal ball. So you're talking about scrying. Yes. A medium is kind of able to like see and hear spirits and stuff through this crystal ball. How that happens, I have no idea. It's sort of the same thing with automatic writing, how you're putting yourself in a trance. So with scrying in general, it's anything with like a reflection, a reflective something, the use of crystal balls, but it's the same thing as putting yourself in a trance, asking a question and sort of being able to look through that. Interesting, okay, so it's kind of like you're using the ball as the curtain to the veil. Absolutely. Okay. So self-hypnosis or meditation, you can get into those states. Mm. And it's funny, because you see in movies, they're staring at the ball and they're like, Ooh, I see yeah. you. And three years pregnant, 16 children. But that's not really how it works. <laughs> no, it's really more like trance, and then I think they just use that, like you said, almost like a doorway into the veil. Gotcha. There's something I'm gonna try tonight, and I'm actually kind of excited about it. Oh. It's called the haunted call spell. Oh my God, that I doesn't know. sound good, Jamie. I really wanna see some spirits. Specifically, I wanna see spirits for only three days. Oh my God, you're not gonna do that shit. Not less than two days. <laughs> And not more than three, but three days, I want to see spirits. You're not going to use the blood, are you? Here's what you got to do. Oh, my God. You have to take five green candles and light them. 
Bree's laughing with her with her head in her hands, like, oh god. This actually doesn't sound that bad. So, <laughs> five green candles, light them. Next, take five petals from a red rose and burn each petal. I don't know if you're supposed to burn it in the candle or burn it just in general, but I feel like just in general, burn them. Just try both ways. Yeah. After that, you're gonna take a knife, as you do with most rituals, and uh, you know, just cut your finger so some blood runs out of it. Mm. You're then gonna drip blood onto the green candles, but without getting the flame out. You have to like do it to the side a little bit, right? And while you're doing this, you're supposed to chant, God of my world and the next, lend me your sight. Give me the power to see things that can give people fright. Too long, they've been trapped in the dark, but now let them in the light. And then finally, you kill all the flames by putting a lemon out on them. And then for the next three days, you'll see ghosts. Man, that's a really easy way to fuck with you, I think so. I'll try it. I'm sure I got some green candles. So it's not necessarily that you're asking for answers. You just want to see them in general. Yeah. You want to have the yeah. sight to see them, like a medium. The haunted call spell. Mm -hmm. Yep. Like you're going to go through just like walking down the street and see some crazy shit. Interesting. It only happens three days, so okay. it's not that bad. You, I mean, if you can make it to the third day or whatever. I guess. I go with more safe ways, like a pendulum. Really, you can use anything that has weight, but most of them are crystals. I have a crystal pendulum that I really like. It's small and it's light, and you can either start by just a simple yes and no answer or the truth statement. I've seen some people will grab something really simple, like, okay, we have this cup next to us. Hold the cup and put the pendulum over, obviously till you're in a balanced state, and say, this is a cup this is a cup and watch how the pendulum swings once it's swinging one way because then you can register your yes mm -hmm. then you can say something like this is a frog this is a frog and then if you find that you're is i knew you were gonna say frog no way yes i did like swear? literally in my brain like i i said it in my brain and it came out of your mouth as you did it creepy like, same time must have been inspired by the green in those candles maybe this is five frogs this is five frogs and see the way that it swings for no mm -hmm. and then you can start your sentences by asking questions or some people like to draw a circle on their table and a cross in the center so you have yes going up and down or no, no going side, side to side. side some people get real crazy and they you know throw in like yes, numbers maybe 7 12 14 yeah different body parts for health all those kinds of things if they really want real precise questions mm -hmm. I've also seen that some people use them as a way to gauge your chakras, Ooh. what's blocked yeah. and what's open, and finding a way for an open, seeing what way the pendulum swings, and then starting from your crown, crown chakra and going down and, and just holding it above that chakra and seeing which way Wait, it goes. spins. And sometimes it doesn't spin at all, or you know, it spins the opposite way, and then people know, okay, Either this chakra's really blocked or there's some shit going on here or whatever we need to clear. I like it. You know, I'll stick to the questions and stuff and connecting. Which I was telling you earlier, I felt like a lot of these tools are also just divination tools. They kind of work hand in hand. You're either trying to ask spirits for answers or also maybe your spirit guides for answers, your higher self for answers. So I would say there's so many different tools that we could even mention, but I think the number one thing that I really briefly said, which was to practice caution, but really I think if anyone wants to try any of these things or really look into this on your own, exercise caution. There's really no way to be 100% safe. If you believe in the spirit world, which I imagine most people do these days, 
you're really tapping into a spot in the unknown where it can be dangerous. Not all the time, but it definitely can be. So, you know, try to cleanse your aura before, use your crystals, meditate, you have that bright glowing light around you. Always have good intent. Always good intentions. And make sure when you're done, you say thank you, peace out. If you tried to contact a spirit in general, you gotta go later. I'd say maybe let's try not to summon anything. Yeah, let's not summon. And maybe just kind of like try to talk to the things that are already here. And maybe let's not try to bring more things over here until you have a better understanding of it. I think that's a great way to say it. Perfect. All right, Brie, let's get into um, my favorite part of the episode, Factor Sci-Fi. Today's sci-fi is a little quick and a little sweet. Brie, will I have a Factor Sci-Fi for Factor Sci-Fi? I sci-fi it. I sci-fi it too. Okay, that's the end. All right. Good to go. Since that was over quickly, why don't we get to the more exciting thing? Let's discuss our conscious quote of the day. This conscious quote is by Stephen Christopher. Death is not the end. It is simply walking out of the physical form and into the spirit realm, which is our true home. It's going back home. I couldn't agree with that anymore. Absolutely. I was actually thinking about it last night. I feel like I spend a lot of time in my bathroom contemplating my own death. Not like on purpose or anything, but like I was taking a bath and I was thinking about how like if I drowned in my bathtub, I would go to the spirit world and how I really wouldn't be mad that I like left because I'm going to this super cool place where like I have like a higher consciousness and I'm going to be around people who are kind of on my own wavelength. Maybe. Maybe. It's all a guessing game to us at this point. I think you'd stick around in your bathroom for a little bit and be like, oh, boo. You'd feel bad for your dog. I mean, she could eat my dead body. Oh, she gets really hungry. I mean, I. Oh, you're making it too complicated sorry, for sorry. me now. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So anyways, back to me contemplating my death constantly. <laughs> Why don't you tell me about how when I leave, my dog will be lonely. I'm sorry. Makes me feel great. I apologize. But yeah, I'm a big believer that it's our second home, that, you know, maybe it's a time to rest. Maybe we will recycle quickly. Maybe we will move on somewhere else. Who really knows? But I don't think it's something that we should be afraid of. I think over the years, I've become less and less afraid of death, but then I also sometimes will think how it's easy to say that and come to a different understanding than a lot of people. But who knows when, you know, you're staring death in the eyes. I imagine that it's just your natural human instinct to be a little bit afraid for a moment. I will have to say that I wish neither one of us have to stare death in the eye and that if it happens, it's quickly and without us knowing. Agree. Okay. That's a pact. Instead of a suicide pact, a let's go quickly pact. I mean, every day we get to work, we have to stare at death in the face for at least a short conversation. (laughs) That's so true. Where dreams go to die. Where dreams go to fucking die. All right. Now let's talk about our favorite part of the episode. Patreon shout out. Patreon shout out. (laughs) Let's start off at our skeptic level and... um, Shout out Jan from the Good, the Bad, and the Just Plain Standard podcast. Then we have our truth seekers, Jamie's mom, Shayna, Destiny at Destiny from Space, and Simon at Outroversion and from Reddit. Then we're going to go over to a new category that is the Skeptical Truth Seeker, which is Adam. 
Hey. Who is one of the co-hosts of Not For Everyone podcast, and he also hosts a Wednesday night love line out in Texas. And Sounds I'm, so sexy. It does. And I don't know the website for that one, so I don't know. Go ask him. <laughs> then we have our middle bitches, Raya. Hey, Raya. Miss you. Love you. And Scotty at Scotty Doodle. And then we also have Bobby, who's the other half of Not For Everyone podcast. And you can find him at Pinball Bobby and at Not For Everyone podcast on Instagram. Then we're going to go into another made up category here. We have the skeptical middle bitch. (laughs) And that one and only spot is for AB. At Weather Traditions. And last but not least. The one and the only. Anything is possible. Hey, Matt. Hey, Matt. Thank you guys so much. Head over to our Patreon and see what we have going on over there. We have secret recordings. We do have secret recordings. We do have a long lecture, like an hour and a half long lecture on there. We have a lot of other stuff going on there. So you guys go check that out. And thank you everyone for supporting us. So if you guys want to follow us on social media, you can find us on Instagram at that one time I was abducted. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for that one time I was abducted by aliens to find our fan page. Shoot us an email at that one time I was abducted at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at that one time. We're on Reddit. We're kind of all over the place on the internet, so I think if you just kind of Google us, we'll show up on all those front pages. Check us out. So thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you, everybody. Have a great week. Happy beginning of Halloween month. Yes, for another couple spooky weeks coming our way. And I hope, Mountain View, California, that you get all the tricks and no treats. Ooh, what a burn. That's fucked up. <laughs>